In this summer series on the Psalms, we have asked a lot of different questions. We've asked the question, why are we here? The question, what are we seeking? Where are we going? And today, I want to ask the question, what are we doing? What are we doing? And these Psalms will help us answer the question, either by showing us that this is what we're doing or by showing us this is what we ought to be doing. Either way, the answer will come from these Psalms. The Psalms under consideration for today are known as Psalms of Ascent. It means Psalms of going up. St. Augustine called them the Psalms of Degrees. Either way, they are part of a group of psalms that our Jewish forefathers sang as they went up to the feasts, up to Jerusalem, and up to the temple. Not only do they allow the worshiper to lift up his heart and to lift it up to the Lord, but they allow the Spirit of God to lift up the worshiper into heavenly places in a mystical and spiritual way. These psalms focus on two main themes, bringing in the harvest and building up the house. And one way to read these psalms is with a view towards your harvest and your house. That is a natural and practical way to read the psalms and not without merit. If that is how you tend to read these psalms, you are doing well, for at least you're reading the psalms. But there's more to reading the Psalms than just looking for the natural and practical angle. Another way to read these Psalms is with a view towards God's harvest and God's house. And to get there, we need a spiritual and sacramental reading of the Psalms. And that is the one that I will follow through the course of this sermon as we explore what it means to bring in God's harvest and to build up God's house. I can recall the first time I really and truly paid attention to Psalm 126. The year was 1994. I was watching music videos on MTV or VH1. And for those of you who are under the age of 50, that means that there were channels on cable television that were dedicated to playing music videos 24-7. The post-punk band R.E.M. had released a song called Everybody Hurts. And the music video for that song grabbed my attention. In one scene, a man stands alone on an overpass, slowly and steadily silently tearing pages from what appears to be a Bible and letting them drift into space and fall down below. And at the bottom of the scene, as he's tearing these pages, the bottom of the screen, the words flash, they that sow in tears shall reap with joy. And it was that song and that video and that caption that drove me back to the Psalter with a renewed zeal to pay closer attention to the Word of God in the Psalms. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. 
Around that same time, my wife and I were attending a missions conference with our old school in Lubbock, Texas. And during one of those sessions, we sang what was a very familiar hymn in that tradition. It was a missionary hymn. And you might know it. It goes, bringing in the sheaves, bringing in the sheaves, we shall come rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves. Not the kind of hymn we typically sing in our day. It's a generational thing, perhaps. But it came from a time and place when the church was concerned about the state of the world. A time when the church was so committed to missions and evangelism and a desire to bring people into the house of God that they wrote hymns about it. And they celebrated and rejoiced the fact that the lost would be saved and the perishing would be rescued. We shall come rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves. The missional impulse of that old hymn was rooted and grounded in the missional impulse of this psalm. Now I say all that to say this. That the captives in this psalm and the exiles in the world around us often experience what REM told us they would. Everybody hurts. Everybody cries. Everybody feels alone in this life sometimes. And for some people, sometimes everything is wrong. But Christ the Lord, the Savior of the world, has come and sends his church on mission to the world to seek and to save the lost, to sow the seeds of God's word in the fields of God's world, to weep for the lonely, to cry for the perishing, and to rejoice that God's word never ever returns empty but always accomplishes the purpose for which it is sent. Do you remember how you felt when you first came to faith in Christ? Do you remember how you felt when you came back to faith in Christ after being away for some time? Do you remember how it felt when it dawned on you just how much the Lord loves you? When the Spirit of grace washed over you anew and left you feeling clean all over again. It was like a dream, wasn't it? It was like, pinch me. Is this even real? Is this really happening? It's almost too good to be true. And it's likely that more than a few of you have wondered, why me, Lord? What have I ever done? To deserve even one of the pleasures I've known. Why me, Lord? Don't you want other captives to experience all of that? Don't you want other exiles and strangers, orphans in the world, to feel the love of God burning in their hearts the way it burns in yours? Don't you want your family and your friends 
to come home. Or maybe just come back home. The Lord Jesus does. And that's why he sends us to them and for them. To set free those taken captive by the world, the flesh, and the devil. To restore their fortunes in Christ. To bring in his harvest. When I was 15 years old, like some of you young men in the back, feeling teen angst, struggling with life, faith, purpose, irritated by the endless stream of questions about what are you going to do? What do you want to be? I read the once banned book, The Catcher in the Rye, by J.D. Salinger. And at one point in that story, the young 16-year-old Holden Caulfield makes a confession and shares his dream with someone he loves. He says, you know what I'd like to be if I had my own choice? You know that song, if a body catch a body coming through the rye? Anyways. I keep picturing all these little kids playing in some big field, playing a game in some big field of rye, thousands of little kids and nobody's around, nobody big, I mean, except me. And I'm standing on the edge of some crazy cliff. And what I have to do is I have to catch everybody if they start to go over the cliff. I mean, if they're running and they don't look where they're going, I have to come out from somewhere and catch them. And that's what I do all day. I just be the catcher in the rye. I know it's crazy, but that's the only thing I'd really like to be. Me too, Holden. Me too. Why? Because when Jesus Christ came in the flesh, he came as the catcher in the rye. He echoed this psalm in his preaching and in his praying. He says, look, lift up your eyes and see the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life so that the reaper and the sower may rejoice together. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pay, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest fields. Like the psalmist, the Lord Jesus wants us to perceive God's mission field all around us. Jesus wants us to participate in God's mission in the world. And Jesus wants us to pray for God's mission to succeed, that souls will be harvested. This is about God bringing in his harvest. 
Some of you have had the privilege, the pleasure, and perhaps even the pain of building your own house. Even if you never cut a board or laid any brick or painted a wall, you watched someone else put together the house of your dreams according to your design. And if you haven't had that experience, I can safely say that most of us have had the pleasure and the pain of building up a family, one or two children at a time, one or two grandchildren at a time. And we know that whether we are building up a house or building up a family, it takes lots and lots of hard work. You lay a foundation, you stand up the walls, you install the fixtures, you cover the roof, you set the capstone saying, we're done, it's finished. As with all building projects, you start at the bottom and you hope to move up a bit and then you finally hope to reach the top and you strive for that. The same holds true for God's house and God's family. And we see that in Psalm 127. Psalm 127 is not a psalm of David, it's not a psalm of Moses, it's not a psalm of the sons of Korah. The superscription says that it is a song of ascents of Solomon. Now why is that significant and why does that matter? It's significant because the Lord God had made a covenant and promise to David's son Solomon and beyond. He said, he shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever and I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. My steadfast love will not depart from him. The scriptures tell us that it took Solomon 20 years to build the house of the Lord and the house of the king. It took him 20 years to build the temple and the palace. Long suffering, painstaking, costly work. So when Solomon said, unless the Lord builds the house, our labor is in vain, he wasn't simply trying to be dramatic or poetic. He was being realistic because he had lived it and experienced it in his own life. But beyond that, Solomon, in all of his wisdom, knew that those houses of cedar and stone, of gold and silver, were merely physical signs of a spiritual reality, physical signs of the true spiritual house of the Lord. And we know this because of what the prophet says. That the Most High God does not dwell in houses made by hands. Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or what is the place of my rest? Did not my hand make all these things? When Jesus Christ came into the world, he came as the true and better Solomon. He came as the true and better Solomon with wisdom and grace. 
And remember, it was Jesus who said that he has gone to prepare a place for you. He has gone to prepare a place for you. Meaning, the Lord is building a house for his family. An eternal house that provides his family with what we all want to provide for our families. Namely, stability, security, and serenity. Stability because the Lord's house is built on the cornerstone and the foundation of Christ and the apostles, which shall never be moved. Security because his house is guarded by angels who always behold the face of our Father in heaven. Guardian angels who are sent to help and protect us who will inherit eternal salvation. And serenity because the Lord's house is free from conflict and controversy. It is a place where we find rest for our souls and refreshment for our bodies. Every week when we gather here, we come to the Lord's table. And it is good for us to remember what is happening in God's house when we come to this table. To eat the body and drink the blood of Christ. We are tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. And we are learning that in the Father's house, there is the happiness of heaven, not the sadness of earth. And so instead of the stale bread of sorrows, he gives us the fresh bread of joys. Instead of the sour wine of anxieties, he gives us the sweet wine of peace. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Now, how does God bring in his harvest and build up his house? Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, declares the Lord. The Lord builds up his house and he brings in his harvest by the promise and power of the Holy Spirit. Before the Spirit came, we were all captives and exiles and orphans without hope and without God in the world. Our hearts were hardened and barren. Our toil was fruitless and vain. Pain, sweat, and tears marked all our days. But when the Spirit of Christ came, everything changed. The Spirit of Christ makes all the difference. It is through the Spirit of Christ that we became the fruit of Christ's labors and the children of the Father's love. As the Apostle Paul says in Galatians, the Father sent forth his Son, born of a virgin, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law. Why? So that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. The Spirit of Christ has changed everything. He's given us a place where we belong. The right and the privilege to be there. To call God our Father. Because He is. And we are his sons and daughters. 
But what is the sign and seal of our adoption into God's family? How can we know that it actually happened? And the answer is this, baptism. As many as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. In light of what we've heard from Psalms 126 and 127, we might say it this way, that as many as have been watered by grace have been brought into the harvest as fruit. As many as have been washed in mercy have been built into God's house as family. Regardless of ethnicity, regardless of social position, regardless of age and stage of life, regardless of sex and gender. How is this possible? Not by power, not by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. This is how God brings in his harvest and builds up his house. And this is how we participate in God bringing in his harvest and building up his house. So do not be deceived. God is not mocked. What you reap, you will also sow in this life and in the life to come. As it is written, if you sow to your flesh, you shall of the flesh reap. But if you sow to the Spirit, you shall reap everlasting life from the Spirit. So what are we doing? What are we doing? Brothers and sisters, let us not grow weary in bringing in the harvest and building up the house, but let us labor and let us love in the power of the Spirit of Christ. Let us do good to all people, especially to those of the household of the faith. And as St. Augustine put it in his commentary on these psalms, if we have ascended into captivity and exile, and if we have been wounded by sin and sorrow, and we have been, then let us ascend, let us sing Let us make progress in order that we may arrive at the gates of heaven in the house of the Lord and take our seats at the table in the feast. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty God, whose compassions fail not, and whose loving kindness reaches unto the world's end. We give you humble thanks for opening the whole world to the light, the life, and the love of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Grant that we who labor abundantly will make known to all people around us the blessed gift of eternal life in Christ. And grant that all people around us may seek you and find you In the time of salvation, bring the nations into your church, send your church into the nations so that your house may be filled with all your children from all over the place. And Lord of Harvest, we pray that you will stir the hearts of your people, young and old, to enter the fields of the Lord, that you will shape 
our hearts to love and to serve well. And that you will send laborers into your harvest fields from this generation and from the generations to come. And we ask and pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.